Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my name is Jonna, and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that will never end. We're so glad that you could finally attend. Come inside, come inside. Yes, we are back. This is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day, and it's exceptionally blue because we are top of the Premier League today. I am your host, the creator of the podcast, the man with a face for podcasting, and still not feeling 100%, but he'll plod through Keith Lawrence, and joining me... He is back as well. He's a man who would have loved playing in that weather yesterday in the torrential rain, and he would have given a clump to the incompetent official yesterday. It's Steve Wick. Steve, nice to see you back on the Blue Day podcast. How are we? Yeah, we're fine, Keith. Very pleased with the result yesterday. We needed that. Absolutely. It was uh, was a game where it was needed. Probably did help because United failed to win as well, so it would have been nice to have got the three points knowing that Liverpool and Man City are playing today as we as we are recording and it's nice to sort of put a marker down and it was going to be difficult because the last two games that we haven't reviewed the City result and the Juventus result the performances were shocking and they weren't good enough and we'll talk about that sort of later on but the, the game yesterday the three points was much needed we'll talk about momentarily about performances of certain individuals but to see the players reacting at the final whistle and even when the second and the third goal went in I thought when I was there in the Matthew Harding end yesterday just showed the character of that squad and again a lot of teams might have folded the sending off as we'll talk about helped in our favour but the character of the team I thought was key so I didn't know where Steve, if you felt the same way or if there was anything that maybe you saw in that game that you'd like to mention as well? Uh, no, I think it was a, it, was, it was one of those funny games. You know, Southampton had a very good result at Man City a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they got a goalish draw and um, they're quite a hard team to break down. And once I saw Chelsea had gone one up, I thought to myself that would make it a lot easier because they'd have to come out. Um, and the changing of the game really was not only the sending off, but the second goal being disallowed. I think that was. Um, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that in detail in a minute, yes. Yeah, but I think that changed the game because had it had gone to 2 0, um, it's a completely different game. At 1 0, they've got, they've got a chance, they've got a sniff. But 2 0, I think even they would have thought, well, we're out of this now. We can't do, you know. Um, and I think it changed the, the game a little bit and gave them a lift. Uh, and you can't argue with the penalty. Uh, it was a blatant penalty. Um, and really, you can see that because no one appealed or, or or went against it. Um, and It was a poor challenge by Chilwell at that point. You know, it was funny watching the highlights yesterday on Match of the Day. And even though I was there, the reaction of the crowd in the shed end, as soon as Chilwell went for the sliding challenge, all of them knew, oh, Chile. 
you've just given away a penalty, you know. And at that point, Southampton, they they didn't really cause a lot of threat going forward. They played two up top, which they have done throughout the season. But again, Chile, Chilwell hasn't played many games. He, yeah. saying he looked rusty. It's pretty of a poor excuse. But that Livermento, the Southampton right back, former Chelsea player, I thought he played very well yesterday. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was probably their best player. Actually, mm. I, I I thought he had an outstanding game. Um, but you know something when when you haven't played for such a long time, and Ben didn't even play in the Euros, did he? Um, Not really, no, I, no. Yeah, I, I think that you're just half a yard off the pace, and I think that showed with the challenge. It was a little bit. What's the? He, he, and he's not like that, is he? He doesn't give away penalties. He, he stays on his feet, but he just got caught out, and it was just a. I think him being a little bit, you know, he rusty. got outsmarted <laughs> at that point, and it was just a yeah. case of he'll try and do a, a, a last ditch, last ditch challenge, and he just timed it all wrong. But again, as we mentioned, the the right back for Southampton, outstanding player, and I'm I'm intrigued to see how he gets on in the next coming years. I believe we might have a buyback option on him, hopefully, because he did show what he's capable of and he's getting the games, which is important. Yeah. But... Well, he's uh, every player, trust me, Keith, every player that Chelsea sell, they put a buyback clause in that contract and they have first refusal on the players they sell. Um, and if, you know, he, he looks to me especially the way that Chelsea play, in a couple of years' time, he might be perfect at right-back. He really Potentially, could. yeah. 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 So, two, uh, two... No, go on, Steve. Sorry, pardon me. No, it's, it's, it's like Tamori. Uh, uh, you know, it's good to see him back in the England squad. But Chelsea will be looking at that. They, they won't give away players. It's about our young players getting game time. Um and playing at a high level. And Chelsea, again, will have the first buyback clause with him. They're very clever what they do, and they're probably the best-run financial club in the league. Hmm. You know, when you consider that Lukaku costs us about six million quid. If you look at all our players outside. that we sold to players yeah. that we've brought, yeah. 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 Just wanted to get your thoughts in regards to Tuchel making five changes from the Juventus game. It did seem that the City game, he, he went with a game plan that obviously didn't work. The Juve game, uh, and I will say it, Juve are a top side, but that was a poor Juventus 11 that we went up against. One of the poorest that I've seen in a long, long time. And we didn't take advantage of that. With the players that we ha- we've had started like Havertz, Ziyech and Lukaku for example as a front three we should have taken advantage of that but he made five changes Trevor Chalaber came in Thiago Silva was in the back Loftus-Cheek started Ben Chilwell started Werner started Hudson-Odoi was on was out wide with Lukaku up top I think he needed to do that because it was to do with freshness and Steve you've, you've been there you've seen it it's important to freshen the squad up a little bit if you know that the same 11 over the last, say, two games, for example, haven't been producing the goods. Yeah, I think from, you know, from Chelsea's perspective, they've probably got one of the most strength and largest squads, strength and depth, uh, probably in the league. I think the players can compete with anyone and players are coming in, you know, Loftus-Cheek is like a new signing. He, look, he looks really, I thought he played really well yesterday. Um, you know, Chalabar, again, looked a super prospect. And I think you've got to, with the demands, you know, three big games in, in, in and that game yesterday was huge. Yes, it was oh God, yeah. I know, and, you know, you'd look at the pictures and say, well, yeah, we beat Southampton. But it came very. It, it became a very big game after the two defeats that we had. You've got to put draw a line under those two and get winning again, and that was a massive game for us yesterday. You know, like a little bit like Man United. If if, if that game had ended one one, you know, I've heard the, 
you know, Ollie today getting absolute pelters. Uh, and the pressure builds and it builds on the players and it, it builds on the manager. Um, and it's nice to draw a line under it, get a win, top of the league. Hopefully Liverpool and Man City are draw today. Um, you know, we're at the top of the league for the next week or so. Well, Chalaba scored after nine minutes to put Chelsea in front and it was a good header. You know, he lost his marker. It was at the back post. Good flick by Loftus-Cheek and Chalaba was free. Very nice work to set piece. And we looked comfortable at that point. Lukaku had a goal, chalked off. Offside, yeah, he was, unfortunately. And then you had the VAR decision in in the first half. And this was a, a point where Aspilicueta allegedly fouled Walker-Peters. Walker-Peters went down. The game carried on for another five, it seemed as if another five, ten minutes after the incident. The cross came in, evaded Lukaku's header. Hudson-Odoi then kept the ball in play, crossed it in. Werner headed it in the back, po- beyond the back post to make it 2-0. Everyone going completely nuts, thinking, yes, Werner's finally scored a league goal. The referee's gone back into the penalty, sorry, the centre circle, excuse me. Southampton players, two of them were complaining to the referee. Others were about to set themselves up for kickoff. Chelsea about to go back to kickoff as they think it was 2-0. All of a sudden, you see a VAR decision and then the referee goes, puts his hand on his head for another five bloody minutes. And then you all of a sudden you hear, oh, VAR decision, disallowed goal, fouled by Aspilicueta. And the uh, the abuse and the, the how the crowd turned because they showed the VAR image on the big screen and they showed the alleged tackle, or the, sorry, the alleged foul, the actual yeah. tackle by Aspilicueta. Everyone said that is not a a foul whereby the referee should stop the game for a free kick. Did he get the player? In the current climate, he did, but he won the ball. He won hmm. the ball. The player went down too easily, and unfortunately, that's what players do. They go down too easily if there's any contact. But it was the, the timing of when the tackle was made to the goal my God, you could have built a house in that time and you would have sold it by the time that the referee then said, oh, VAR decision. I thought it was a complete joke. I think Martin Atkinson then lost the game. He lost control of the game after that. Mike Dean, I think, is a joke. As Even as a VAR official or as a referee, he always makes it about him. Even when you see him on the field, he always makes decisions and he always sort of, you know, he's over, he's over performance with his hands and his gestures. It's all about him. That was one of the worst decisions I have ever seen on a football field. And that, no word of a lie, and I said this last night when I got home to a couple of friends of mine, that could have caused riots at the ground yesterday. Bearing in mind the weather was crap. We weren't playing particularly brilliantly and well the the standard of refereeing in in this country for years has been poor but that yesterday was just utter ridiculous just utter clueless mindless idiots that made that decision what I can't believe is that the referee who's got to referee the game he's obviously seen that he's looked at it and he's he allowed play to play on. So, therefore, he didn't see anything wrong with that whatsoever. Mm. And they're saying how they want to take the little bits of doubt out and give it to the attacking team, right? Now, what is the referee doing? He's not doing his job, is he? If he, if he can't see, you know, uh, a foul like that and, he, and he, he allows play to go on, to me, that's the decision. If the ball goes in in the, in the box and someone's offside, like Lukaku was, then I can see VAR. I think that that's when it works. But on that, the referee's seen nothing. He's allowed play to go on. Ver, Verna must be thinking to himself, when that happened, who is writing my script? Yeah. Who is who? He must yeah. have thought, oh my God, not again. <laughs> you know, uh, 
but, and it was a good uh, header as well. It was a yeah. very good header. It weren't like it came off his shin or it was a very good header. But the game changed. And I think at that moment, Southampton saw that opportunity. They got the penalties yeah. we mentioned with Chilwell Challenge. Ward Prowse, it was a good penalty. I do like Ward Prowse as a player. I think he, I think he is a good player. Yeah. And then the game turned yet again with the sending off. And I thought we were partly lucky with that because Chelsea at that point were playing poor. And we gave the ball away. We were mucking around with it, sort of near our own box. Jorginho tries to release it out wide. He gets caught by Ward-Prowse. And at the time, now bearing in mind that was near the shed end, I'm in the Matthew Harding, so I'm right on the other end. Everyone around me saw that was a bad challenge. But again, VAR took so long in making a decision. And when you look at that challenge... I don't know why it took so bloody long in making a decision. It was a it was a straight red, but yeah. why make why take so long in making that decision? Well, I think they're doing the, the thing, aren't they? Where they 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 they're, they're making the referee go over to the screen, the pitch side monitor, and he, yeah. And he's and he's playing the pitch. They're playing it three or four times to, for him to make sure he's got it right, and it's taking too much time. Yeah. The ref, the 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 guy at St George's should have said, "Red card." If it's if it's blatant like that, red card. Yeah, that's, that's, all, he's that's all he's got to say. <laughs> then the red card shown, and then if it, 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 you know, um, but it is with with the referee running over to the screen, watching the thing four times. Which I think if you got to watch that challenge four times, there's something wrong with you anyway. You know, you you should be looking at that thinking, "Oh no." That, that yeah. that's a dangerous tackle. That's a red card. But it's got to change because it doesn't work like that in Germany. It doesn't work like that in Italy. It's very very different. And um, you know, in, in the Euros, I thought VAR was good. It was better. But we've gone back to our old ways now, and it's taken seven eight minutes to make a decision. Yeah. Well, to be fair, when the decision was made. And I said, I said to people around me, if the referee doesn't add at least seven to eight minutes of injury time because of the time it took for VAR, because of the substitutes and everything, then there's something wrong with the with the standard of officiating. And yes, yeah. we won the game because of late goals by Timo Werner and Chil, uh, Ben Chilwell that we will mention in a minute. But as you say, Steve, the, the referee... And, you know, we spoke after the game yesterday as I was travelling back after getting my car from the particular place where it wasn't left when I left it. Um, You said Martin Atkinson is not a great referee and Mike Dean is not the greatest referee. He thinks he is, but he's not. And you just think that with with Anthony Taylor making constant shit decisions week in week out you just got to think you know with the, the refereeing in this country is the game getting better but the referees are worse or vice versa that, that's, that's something that needs to be looked into I think I think Keith they talked about professional footballers being re- you know becoming referees I can't think of anything more absurd in my life because you spend all your time having a go at them and I wouldn't want to be a referee for all the tea in China but I do think it's a good idea to have a professional footballer up at St George's who understands the game and has been involved in the game that can look at those types of decisions. Uh, because half these people haven't played the game of football. They've been referees from the age of sort of 15, building themselves to get through the system. Uh, and I think the, the place to bring ex-footballers in is... St. St. George's, let them look at and see what they think. Yeah, um, and I think that's a, that would be something to look at because, you know, all right, the, they got there in the end. The goal, um, it's it was disallowed. Um, I think a bad decision, but to me, if they make that decision, if the referee can't see it in Everything, everything is worse when it's slowed down. Yes. When it goes 
slow-mo. Everything is worse. It looks worse than what it is. Now, he didn't say anything wrong with that. And he allowed play to go on. Shouldn't be a question. That's his decision. And if it's wrong, it's down to the referee. Because referees are going through the thing now where they're being protected. They can't make a mistake. And you can't pick up football through a uh, magnifying glass. You've got to let it flow. And if he's let it flow, it should be a goal. The sending off was a sending off. They got there in the end, but you've probably lost 11 minutes doing those two things, um, which is ridiculous. Rather than us moan constantly about referees, I do want to talk positively about Chelsea. And I, I, I did eat me words at the time when Tuchel made the substitution. Loftus-Cheek came off for Ross Barkley in the 83rd minute. Before that, Kovacic came off for Georgina, which I thought was a good move because I thought Kovacic was losing the game a little bit in midfield. I thought him and Loftus-Cheek were looking tired. Hudson-Odoi came off for Mount in the 65th minute. Hudson-Odoi, I like him. I want him to succeed. He doesn't get many chances. I thought he did okay in patches in the first half. Second half didn't even turn up for me. Lukaku, again, another game where... Whether or not his expectation and how he started for Chelsea, whether that's played a part, I don't know. But by the end of the game, he had a shot that hit the post. But when it mattered, when the score was tied or if we were looking to try and win the game, Lukaku's performance wasn't brilliant. But Mount came on in the 65th minute and what a difference. Now, I've said all week that we are not a one-man team. We shouldn't be over-reliant on Mount. Why are Chelsea fans saying that if Mount don't play, then Chelsea don't play? We have got hundreds of millions pounds worth of talent in that squad without Mason Mount, because Mason Mount was for nothing. He came from the academy. Why are we over-reliant on Mount? Saw it Saturday, first-hand, why he's so important to the team. Because as soon as he came on, bang, he took this game by the, by the scruff of the neck, he, Tuchel put him up top pretty much as a number 10 and Mount controlled the game for over <laughs> half hour and we Ooh. got the goals that we, that we needed Mount played brilliantly Barkley came on, I do want to give a special mention to Barkley because when Loftus-Cheek came off of Barkley I was spitting feathers because I was asking where the bloody hell is Kai Havertz, why is he not putting him on, why is Barkley coming on, Barkley Made me eat my words for that second goal. What a lovely pass to Aspilicueta out wide. And Aspilicueta with a lovely cross, low cross in. And Werner or Lukaku could have hit that. But Werner, right place, right time. What a goal. Mm. Well, I, I think we actually deserve that. The, the amount of money we paid him with him being totally redundant for the last two years. I, I think that we, uh, you know, I look at Barkley. And I said one time to a very good player, and I won't mention his name, and he's been a naughty boy at the time, and he's a Chelsea player. Uh, and I said to him, you know what, if anything goes wrong with your career, there are two words you should never say. If only. Because with the ability God's given you, you can captain Chelsea one day and you could even captain England one day. And if you don't, don't ever turn around when you're 35 and say, if only because that would be a sin. Trust me, Barkley will turn around in his career if he doesn't pull his socks up and say, if only. Because he's got ability, it's down to his mental, his, his, his mentality. Um, and wherever he's gone, he does brilliant things, but the majority of the time, he, he, but listen, as I said to you about the goalkeeper, if someone's prepared to take another chance and go for it, and prove us all wrong, then fantastic. Fantastic. So we get the second goal. I kept looking at the linesman because I just had this horrible feeling that the linesman would wait until the players would go back to the centre circle and then lift the bloody flag up. He didn't. So I was I was more relieved than pleased at that point. But then we started looking like we have done for the last sort of games where we played against Arsenal and Tottenham. Well, all right, once we scored the second goal... There was more freedom. And then Ben Chilwell getting the goal. 
that I thought his game did merit in a flash, really. You know, Lukaku at the post, Aspilicueta hit the bar, all in the same sort of uh, same segment of play. Chilwell hit the shot, but I want to do give a special mention to the goalkeeper because he he pulled off a great save. Yeah. If it didn't cross the line, if it didn't cross the line, that was a fabulous save. But unfortunately, it was the ball was too hard. He played well. This. Line. Played well there, goalkeeper yesterday. He pulled off a great save. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it 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 it's good to end a game like that. It's good. Yes. The game like that, um, and I um, with Mason Mount, I think the big problem you've got with him is, is is finding where his best position is, and I think his best position is in that ten role. I think he affects the game so much more in that ten role. Um, yeah. But then you you've got Havertz, you've got other people that can play that, but I think he's the best at that. And I think it's important, you know, because England have played him in about three or four different positions. I'd actually like to see him in a central, the advanced player in a alongside a high a holding player in the middle of the field, because I think he could in, influence the game even more. Mm. Um, or play him up top as a ten off Lukaku. Mm. Um, but I think with Mason, the big problem he's got now is is People are playing him in all different positions. England are playing him wide. England, you know, and I think he's got a, you know, as I said, sometimes it's, it's not it's not a good thing for you as an individual to keep being played in three or four different positions. If you can concentrate on one. Well, the same thing happened to Joe Cole in his career. Was West Ham, he was a centre mid. Chelsea's brought him in. They played him more as a winger. I don't I don't recall ever Jose playing him as a in 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 the centre midfield role but then for England he played as a winger slash number 10 and he was one that sort of had a varied position he was a great player to watch but he didn't sort of settle down and have that one position where it was his yeah. for keeps and I'm just wondering if that same could happen with Mason Mount but what a talent Certainly, yeah. a future Chelsea captain. I don't think anyone can suggest differently to that. I mean, he, what? Well, he's just he's been brought up properly, hasn't he? And he, his values, and you know, you, we we spoke about the two ends of the spectrum are Ross Barkley and Mason Mount, and I think that says it all. You know, Mason is where he is because he's max, maximizing his ability with a mental strength way above his age. Mature, he's mature for his age, and you won't see stupid things in the newspapers about him. No, you won't. Absolutely, he'll be one one of these people that will be. You know, we talked about him captaining captaining Chelsea, I think he captain England as well. I really do. Mm. I really do. Well, that was the game yesterday with Chelsea Southampton. As we said, it was a game that was much needed, great win. Uh, special mention to Clive Wilson, who got the score right. He did put 3-1 down, so fair, fair, fair play to him for that. Um, I just want to quickly, Steve, just run over the fixtures for October because September was a bit of a hard month for Chelsea. And the fact that we only all right, we lost twice against City and Juventus, but bearing in mind who else we played and who we now have to play in the league, the next games we've got now, we've got Brentford away, Malmo in Europe, Norwich at home, Southampton again in the League Cup, and Newcastle away on the 30th yeah, of October. So, all, on paper, I hate to hate this term, but on paper, all winnable games. Yeah. But football's not played on paper, and as we've seen in other other results, that you know anything could happen. But with the squad that we've got, with the way Tuchel's got the team structured and how we have set up and how we look I can't see us dropping too many points or having too many bumps in the road on those on those fixtures for this month of October no I agree Peter. I think you know that looks good we 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 the, I said to you didn't I that the big problem I think uh Man City have is people have stuffed out our play against them and it seems to me 
that the two games we've lost, people have sussed us out. Sussed us out. Because we like to hit people on the break and we like to attack quickly. And what happened in the Man City game and the Juventus game, the, the Juventus game was like Italy versus England. Those two centre-backs sit so deep that it's almost impossible to hit them on the break. And I think we ran out of ideas. And Man City came knowing how we were going to play. And the way the team was set up, um, the team was picked, it was for that thing to catch them on the break. And they sat very deep hmm. and built up beautifully. Um, but what we've got to do is have a little bit of a plan B. How do we break down a team that sits deep? Because the two teams that have sat deep we've struggled against I think what didn't help as well and at the time I thought it was a great formation to have because he paired Werner and Lukaku up top with Kante Jorginho and Kovacic in midfield but you saw early on you had three pretty much holding midfielders not one of them went forward to support the strikers yes you had the wing backs but the wing backs were being tied down they were being tied back anyway they were they hardly went forward and we hardly got out of our own half for much of that game. And it, I thought Man City played well, but a lot of that was down to our own making. And the Juventus game, I mean, it, unfortunately due to illness, I didn't see the whole thing. But from what I've seen of the highlights, we we were just poor, really and utterly poor. Against a Juventus side that... Is not the Juve of old. Yes, they've still got no, Chiellini. They've still got yeah. Chiellini and Benucci, but with all due respect, they're getting old. You know, they are sort of on the wrong side of thirty. They're they're near forty now. Yeah. At the top level, they did have a striker on the pitch. The first half an hour, we were all over them, and we caused that ground to start. You know, voicing their displeasure at Juventus. That hasn't happened. That don't happen often. And we should have gone for the juggler at that point. Yeah. And we had the players to do that in Hudson-Odoi, Ziyech, Lukio, Lukaku up top. Again, going back to Italy against Chiellini and Benucci. But it's a huge, huge game now against Malmo in the Champions League. We have to sort of bounce back from that defeat against Juve. It was the perfect time to, to play Juve because of the injuries they had and we've because at the moment they're not even in the top four of Italian football so yeah, they're outside the top ten aren't they yeah, yeah yeah so it's just it was just unfortunate but as we say great that we won great that we're top of the league and let's just hope that by, obviously by the time you listen to this you'll know what the result would be for Liverpool City but it's just nice that we're at the October international break yeah alright we've only lost one game but it could be worse. Oh, God, you know, it I think... It could be one, a hell of a lot worse. The, the one thing we've got to do is, is you know, we, we what we've achieved and what Chelsea have achieved over, over the last year has been unbelievable. As I said to you, they, 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 they performed a miracle. Uh, there will be not another Champions League team that will win the final with the leading goal scorer throughout the season having eight goals. That is never going to happen. Um, and we performed a miracle. Mm. Now, I think the one thing we've got to do as Chelsea fans is to, to um, control our expectation levels. Because Liverpool have got back into the groove. Man United have spent millions and millions of pounds to compete at the top. In, at the top table, um, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And we need to get behind the players and to get behind the team, like we did yesterday, and drive them forward. And I think we'll be fine. I think we're doing really well this season. But you're going to have bumps in the road. It's not going to be uh, plain sailing. It's going to be a tough old year because Man City and Liverpool and Man United, they want to win things. And uh, it's going to be tough. Well, again, we'll see how it goes with Chelsea, but great for the lads. Loftus-Cheek seems to be a a new signing. I know you've mentioned it to me off-air before about 
how well Loftus Cheek has done, and he does seem to be a new signing that gives another gives another headache to Tuchel. So, as you say, we'll see, and it's nice that we relax during the international break. Whereas a lot of teams in the Premier League, they're either going to look to sack their managers or. They're going to already look at the January transfer window, thinking, who do I need to bring in and whatnot? And where am I going to get my first win? Because there's a few teams that still ain't got their first wins. But, Steve, I want to end the show today on a little bit of a segment that we did before you came on the podcast that I did that was very, I thought was interesting. And it gave a, a bit of a look to Chelsea's history. It was called On This Day. And I mentioned it to you before we started recording. But I wanted to talk about a particular Chelsea game that happened on this particular day in October. But unfortunately, there was no game that you were you was involved in that Chelsea played on on this day. So I asked you to pick a game, pick a particular game that you wanted to talk about. And the first one, you, I think, it only took you three seconds to say it. But you said Chelsea Liverpool FA Cup. Yeah, so we had a look about it. And it was the 1977-78 season in the FA Cup third round. Chelsea 4, Liverpool 2 at Stamford Bridge. The attendance, 45,449. The Chelsea team that day, the great Peter Bonetti in goal, Graham Wilkins, John, John Sparrow, the fullbacks, Ron Harris and yourself, Steve Wicks, in defence, Ian Britton in midfield, Charlie Cook out wide, Clive Walker out wide, Bill Garner played, Ray Lewington and Tommy Langley. Steve Finiston was on the bench. And to sort of talk about the goal scorers, Clive Walker scored twice, Steve Finiston and Tommy Langley. Liverpool scored two back. Uh, one little bit of note, Joey Jones, who did play for Chelsea in the past, he was in the Liverpool side as well. And it did feature people like Kenny Dick. Certain players like Kenny Daglish and Alan Hansen. But Steve, you wanted to talk about this game. I've heard from sort of fans of that era that loved watching Chelsea play at that that particular stage. They do remember this game well. From a player's point of view, and we have spoken to John Sparrow about this game. What was it about beating Liverpool at that time that really cemented Chelsea and in regards to the game itself in regards to the FA Cup because it was, it was deemed a shock wasn't it because Chelsea certainly not the team they are now they weren't back then what sort of memories do you have of that particular game Steve and sort of can you sort of have you got any sort of stories that you can tell of you know, the build up yeah. what it was like the the week of the game the game itself what was it that you wanted to sort of mention special about this game yeah. Uh, well, I think it's it's youth, really. I think you know what happened. You, we, we used to go in the boot room on a on a Monday morning and listen to the FA Cup draw. And when it came out, Chelsea, we thought great at home, and then Liverpool came out, and they were European champions at the time. And um, I remember a few of the experienced players saying, "Well, that's it for another year." Then, you know, and it was quite funny listening to them. You know, for the young players. The boys of the team were, were excited about it. We knew we'd have a full house or near enough a full house. Um, I'd like to see if there was a little bit more than forty-five thousand there. I tell you, there wasn't there wasn't <laughs> any room for anything. So I think that that's the biggest thing I question. But it was it was the fact that no one gave us a chance, and it was a fact that we we you know sometimes youth doesn't fear anything. And they embrace it rather than fear it because they've never been there before. Um, and what made things worse, our captain, Ray Wilkins, got injured about a couple of weeks before the game and he was ruled out straight away. Mickey Joy was ruled out um, with a groin injury, I think. And Gary Stanley was also injured. So we lost three very, very good players. But there was something about the whole day, you know, there was something, you know, my Uncle Phil used to go to the games all the time. He said, do you know what? He said, I've got this feeling, I'm going to put 20 quid on this. And he couldn't, he came back from the uh, the betting office over the road and he got 10 to 1. Wow. On a two horse race. Um, but it was, it was one of those days where we played and 
beat Liverpool with pace. Clive Walker, I don't think Joey Jones played another game for Liverpool. I think it was his last game for Liverpool. Um, Clive Walker, Tommy Langley. Ray Lewington that day was absolutely superb. Ian Britton was his usual. He was, he was a little terrier in there. Bless him. Um, and we played the best football and we tore them apart. We actually tore them apart. They didn't know. And you could see them arguing with each other. Uh, and it was just one of those days where, you know, I, I remember I was looking at, you know, the blue flags in the shed and there was thousands of them. It was, it was absolutely packed. And I uttered to myself, I well, I won't utter what I actually said. I said, <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I think we were 4-1 up at the time. And this Scottish voice said to me, said, you didn't believe it. How do you think I feel? And it was Kenny Daglish. And he was like, uh, he just couldn't believe that they were fought. They, he said, well, after the game, I spoke to him. He couldn't remember the last time that he wore a Liverpool short shirt and was 4-1 down. But I think what, what stayed with me was after the game. After the game, it was like we'd won the FA Cup. It was the most incredible atmosphere. And the sense of achievement in that dressing room when we were written off by everybody. Now, if you take that story further, three weeks later, or four weeks later, we played them at home in the league, right? And all these Liverpool superstars had all their, their own things or own columns in the shoot and match and everything. And the whole thing was, it never happened again. Never happened again. It was... They were lucky on the day. Everything went for them. Everything went against, uh, against us. We're going to now show them exactly what we're about. And it was this big thing, right? So anyway, they scored to go 1-0 up with 18 minutes to go. And we beat them 3-1 in the league. We beat them 3-1 in the league. And they were absolutely shell-shocked. Um, and it just goes to show, I think, in... In those times, we, the adversity was rife at the club. You know, we were fighting against administration. We knew there was a financial, massive financial problem. But in adversity, some, sometimes you can pull off things that you'll never forget. And uh, seeing the shed with all those thousands and thousands of scarves, um, ironically, singing You'll Never Walk Alone. Uh, <laughs> Many yeah, people but, don't sort of mention the likes of Bill Garner at Chelsea or even Graham Wilkins. What kind of players were they in the dressing room? What kind, what kind of sort of characters were they? And how did they sort of help that sort of particular team perform well at, at that period? Well, I think, I think it was because we were young boys together. We came through the thing from the age of 14, 13, and we all came through the system. And we were very, very close. And you could go over, if someone's having a hard time, you go over and say, come on, you'll be fine. You, you know, and there was this togetherness in amongst the, you know, in you know, in amongst the players. And um and a belief that we were good players. Uh, because we'd won everything at youth teams. We won first year in the combination, we we won the combination, which was a hard league to play in as a kid. And five of us were involved in the mini World Cup, and we really didn't know what defeat was we we didn't know and we went into the first team and all of a sudden we're thrown in the deep end and we win promotion so it was another and then we went into the, the premier league and uh, the first division and on our day they it reminds me very much of the league story on our day we could beat anybody we went to manchester united and beat them one nil in the same year you know, we could beat anybody. And yet, the following week, we'd get beaten 3-1 by Coventry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like Leeds, we played a great brand of football. We were very quick. Ray Wilkins set things off very early. And his passing range was absolutely superb all over the place. And we had the pace to get on the end of it. And consistency was our problem. Because you're so young, you're a little bit inconsistent. We never had rotation in those days. You know, you, you, you play, you know, 40-odd, 50-odd games a season. And the physical demands in the, in the first division from the second division 
was extremely so much higher. The pace that the games were played, and I think I think we finished about eleventh that year, which was very good for the uh, you know for our first season. But it did remind me of the you know the lead story where that inconsistency, and had Chelsea had, had the money to have added three or four players or even three players, experienced good players. You know, we even lost David Hay. He had a detached retina. And, and David couldn't play it. And he was a big, big... Um, he was one of the old, the older players that was such a big influence to all of us. He led by example. And he was a great man. Um, as tough as nails. Mm. As hard as nails. Um, uh, and we lost him as well through injury, which was a real blow. Um, but if, we, if, if Chelsea had a little bit of money and they added to that team, then I, I honestly think that team could have gone a long way. Steve Finiston came on, came off the bench and scored. Of course, he he was at Chelsea at the time for quite quite some time. What kind of striker was he for those that didn't perhaps see him live? He was unbelievable. He was a predator. He was a he was a he'd come out of nowhere and he, his foot would be on the end of so many things. Um, he had a, a funny style. Steve, he he he, he uh, playing at centre back, looking behind him. He he didn't strike a ball. That well, you look at it and you think to yourself, my God, he used to pass the ball into the net quite a lot Where when he was through. He used to pick his, thing, his spot and pass it into the net. But if that ball was in the six-yard box, he was on the end of it. He put it in. And he was a, he was a great lad. He'd salute every time he scored. He used to, he used to go uh, running around singing 69, 69. And that was our bonus if he won a game. 69 fifth, and he used to sing that as he used to sort of run away. Uh, you know, he's great lad, absolutely great lad. Worked his socks off, scored a lot of goals for Chelsea, um, and always came up with important goals as well. Very important goals. Just a couple of questions on this. Would you say, looking back on this result against Liverpool at the time, as you say, were European champions? They were at that period where they were dominant in English football as well. Would you say this was the best FA Cup victory you had as a player? Uh, yeah, I would think, I would think so. Uh, you, you know, without doubt, I think when you look at the quality of their side and you look, you know, every single player in that team was an international and an experienced international. They'd won the league, I think, by a, something like 11 points. And that was when it was two points a win. You know, uh, they were an outstanding team, handsome, everywhere you look, Hughes, um, Clement, you know, um, they had great players everywhere. Um, and it was just one of those days, and we all have it, where it either goes wrong or everything goes through, and everything we tried came off. And it was, you know, and we were missing on that day, probably four or five of our most influential, Kenny Swain didn't play. He was having a great season. Mm -hmm. he, we had a real injury problem and we dug deep. For the likes of Ray Lewington, he was absolutely, he went head to head with Seymour that day and he never bottled one tackle. He was the most incredible. He never got the praise that he deserved at Chelsea, Ray Lewis. He was a superb player. And Aaron Wilkins as well. You know, we, you know, we talked about Graham. Um, and the fact that he was Ray's brother. I think put extra pressure on him as a person. But when Graham played well, he, he was a very, very good player. And again, he, he'd always, he'd keep going to the end. He would never, you know, he got a little bit of stick from the Chelsea fans sometimes. Um, but trust me, if you ran into war, you'd have him by the side of you. So that was the On This Day segment that we've, we've done in the past on this podcast. And, I think we, we will continue to do because it is a fascinating sort of thing to look at when it comes to certain events that happened in your career and in fact Chelsea's history and we'll sort of we will come back to this at a later date but just just a little bit of news obviously we are a week late in our schedule so this is coming out this week week commencing the 4th of October this will come out we will be back next week with another episode we are hoping to do a player interview this month. Uh, I'm at the moment talking to a few players who played for Chelsea in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Hopefully we will announce something very, very soon. 
in regards to player interviews because I know we haven't done one for a while. And of course, if you're missing listening to player interviews, you can listen to us on YouTube. You can find all our interviews on YouTube. You can find all our our interviews on iTunes, Spotify. We're even looking to try and get on Amazon Music as well. So hopefully that will be uh, a nice touch as well. So you can catch up with our interviews as well. Find us on Facebook at the Blue Day Podcast as well. Find us on Instagram at the Blue Day Podcast. We are on Twitter. That My good friend is sorting out the Twitter handle and he is hopefully going to catch up with a few more tweets here and there. So find us on anywhere you can find the, your favourite podcast at the Blue Day Podcast. It is hopefully going to be one that we're going to be doing on a weekly basis again. Obviously, our schedules have been a little bit on the on, on the busier side. Of course, you've had some stuff to deal with. I've unfortunately been ill and still am. So we've this week wasn't sort of too brilliant to do, but hopefully we'll be back on the uh, horse and cart very soon, doing it on a weekly basis again, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. We both had a testing week. We certainly have. I have been Keith Lawrence. He has been Steve Wicks. Stay safe and carefree. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.